Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which, to which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 3, Episode Enemies. We are, um, as far as like, if you were actually binge watching this season of Buffy, which if you've never listened to this uh, podcast before, I recap, review, rehash every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So because of that, we're headed into possibly the most aggravating time schedule for the end of a season of Buffy ever. I don't think it's ever this bad, but um, if you were watching this in like regular binge watching time and not doing this exactly 20 years after its original air date or watching it 20 years ago, the way that it aired, it must've been so frustrating to watch it. And I, and I was watching it 20 years ago. I was watching, I was watching this storyline unfold in real time. However, I had just started watching the show sometime in season three. I don't know exactly when I started watching it, but so I don't think I was extremely emotionally invested. So I don't actually remember being frustrated by this particular time schedule. But if you were watching it in regular binge watching time, you would be at the home stretch at this point. There's only, after the episode we're talking about today, there's only one, two, three, four, five episodes left in the entire season. So like, that's a good, you know, if you're binge watching it and you watch two or three episodes a day, you got a day or two left until you're finishing off the whole season. But I just got to warn you guys. Oh, first of all, let me apologize for the fact that I told you guys I was not going to leave you in the lurch because it's been like three weeks since we had a Buffy episode to talk about and I was going to have another podcast episode in between, but I, that didn't end up happening. Mercury retrograde, words, Mercury retrograde is kicking ass, kicking people's asses. It is not, it is not the tea, you guys. <laughs> anyway, um, if you're listening in real time in March of 2019, um, I hope you're okay. I hope everything's going all right in your life. Um, if things have been pretty hairy, you're not alone. Um, yeah. If you'd like to hear more about my personal struggles, if you become one of my patrons on Patreon, you can hear me talk way too much about things that are probably inappropriate to say on a podcast, which is why it's in my Patreon feed because, um, it's, you know, it's kind of a secret club at this point. It's, it's small in numbers over there, so I can pretty much say whatever I want. And my Michael thinks that I say too much. But that's because I was not a person that was raised with... I'm, I'm from the Cordelia school of tact. You know, my philosophy is tact? That's just not saying true stuff. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I... I I know I keep bringing it up at the, at the beginning of every single podcast, but it's just like, dude, I got to let you know what's happening. So we're in the middle of March. We haven't had an episode to talk about since, um, late last month. And we won't have another Buffy episode to talk about until May 4th. So after today, 
we won't have another episode to talk about till May 4th. Now, for real, yo, I'm not going to leave you guys in the dark for an entire, let's see, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks. So it'll be seven weeks until we have another Buffy episode to talk about. Um, I'm not going to do that to you guys. I'm going to, uh, have something going on at some point. It'll probably be like a every other week kind of thing. So I'll be back to record a podcast of some kind for you guys on 30th of March and then probably on sometime in April, at least once or twice in April. I don't know. I don't know what we'll talk about, but we'll do something. Um, and again, if you would like to hear, um, if you are going to miss me (laughs) when we're a little bit, um, more inconsistent with the podcast, if you're listening in real time and you can't just go to the next episode, whenever the fuck you feel like it, um, you can always catch, I have, um, a weekly radio show that airs it's internet radio. So you have to, it's actually a little difficult to access because you can't, most mobile devices, okay, it's, it's a whole thing. Basically, you really should, you have to tune in at the right time and place, and it makes, it's more accessible if you tune in from a browser on your computer, and it can't be Safari, because it's flash-based, my, um, my radio show's flash-based. Um, so that is 7 to 10 every Friday, Central Standard Time, 7 to 10 p.m. every Friday. And that um, the link to that is in the show notes. And it's also, I can just say it out loud right now, myradiostream.com slash radio. So I do that every single week. And my radio show is basically just, I put together a playlist of music. The music is in between the talking segments. Usually there's like three or four talking segments that are like 20 minutes long each. And, um, then there's music in between. So it, since it's a three hour radio show, it ends up being about an hour and a half of me babbling and then an hour and a half of music. And, um, most of the time, the topics that I talk about are current things that I'm obsessed with, things that are going on in my life. It's kind of a very, it's a very personal radio show. So if, um, Michael compared me to Howard Stern last week in a good way. He was just like, in the fact that like, he doesn't hold back there. Nothing, no topic is off limits to him. And that's kind of the way that I am, which I'm sure you've noticed from this podcast. Like I've done personal podcast episodes on this feed as well. But if you're at all interested in that, um, that radio show is every Friday. And if you don't want to have to navigate like, you know, logging into a non-Safari browser (laughs) at, at the exact right time every week. Um, you can listen to all of the talking portions of my radio show anytime you want, if you're one of my patrons. So to become one of my patrons, that is patreon.com slash mixtress Ray, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. And, um, it's at any level of giving, you get access to those weekly, um, podcast episodes that are the edited together intros from my radio show. So if y'all are going to miss me, 
I exist in other places on the internet. I also have a YouTube channel that's mostly ASMR. So if you're into that kind of thing, it's also under Mixtress Ray. Sometimes I forget to mention all of these other things that I do. And since I am not a sponsored podcast, at least you don't have to listen to me like advertise Casper mattress or whatever. (laughs) Although Casper, if you're listening, I will completely advertise for you if you give me a bed. (laughs) I've wanted an internet bed forever. That is a dream that's going to be, you know, many years in the future. Um, But yeah. I would love to have an internet bed. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about enemies. So um, I'm going to read the description. I love the descriptions in the Bite Me episode guide by Nikki Stafford because they're very short. They're always like one tiny little sentence. So the, um, the description for this episode is... Faith tricks Angel in order to make him lose his soul and become Angelus again, hoping that he'll fight on her side. So, (laughs) yeah, there's that. This is one that I was kind of dreading. Oh, um, also, I've mentioned it before, but just, just to mention it again, if you were listening to these, listening, if you were watching the episodes of Buffy in their intended order, the next episode after tonight would be an episode called Earshot. It was slated to air either next week, I think next week, which was a few days after the Columbine shooting. I think the Columbine shooting was April 20th, I'm pretty sure, of 1999. And because that episode Earshot deals with a school shooting situation um they decided not to air it and it's actually not it doesn't i don't think they actually air it until i want to say september is that right yes they don't actually air the episode until september so because we're watching everything 20 years after its original air date that means we have to watch earshot out of sequence We're going to end up watching Earshot after the entire season is done. And what, (laughs) so there are just several complications. So not only are we about to head into a period of like, we're at the end of a fucking season and yet we have to wait, we have to wait until May before we can watch three of the last episodes of the season Um, so May 18th, we're going to watch graduation day part one, which is the, you know, two part series in Ender, but then, so that's May 18th. We're watching graduation day part one. We don't get to watch graduation day part two until July 13th. What the fuck is that about? I don't have any idea why. I mean, I guess maybe the network was fucking them around or something, or maybe the show was going to get canceled. I don't know. I think they were about to switch networks, maybe, because um, (laughs) in the cruel, (laughs) the cruel uh, injustices of my past, I started getting into Buffy during season three, like I said earlier, and I was able to watch like Um, reruns and stuff like that. And so I was pretty much caught up and I had seen all the episodes from season one through three. And then the, 
um, show like changed networks or I don't know if it changed networks or we just stopped having access, like something changed with our cable or something. We didn't have access to the channel anymore. And so starting in season four, I couldn't watch Buffy anymore. And that was back in the day, you know, 1999, you know, you couldn't buy episodes online. You know, if you didn't have the channel in your area, and somebody wasn't like recording it on VHS tape and mailing it to you or some shit. Um, and I wasn't active enough on the internet. I probably could have like gone on to like the bronze um, forums and stuff like that. And somebody probably could have sent me VHS of, of the episodes, but I, you know, I wasn't connected in that way at the time. So I didn't get to see any episodes of Buffy for all of season four and season five. And I had to um, I didn't get to catch back up with it again until season six when we um, got the channel again that Buffy was on when it switched to the UPN. We had UPN. Anyway, all of that is just to say it's going to be real weird. It's going to be real weird to watch Graduation Day Part 1 in May and then not get to see the conclusion until July. Um, and then seeing Earshot out of sequence in September. It's going to feel weird, but... I think this is the only time we have to deal with that kind of extreme weirdness in our watching. Um, and I am jealous of you, person from the future. If you're listening to this in 2020 or beyond, then it's like, well, whatever. I'm just going to listen. You could, you could choose to listen to Earshot. You could choose to listen to that episode next if you wanted to. It'll be out of sequence, but you can find it and listen to it and then come back, you know? You can do whatever you want, lovely human from the future. <laughs> anyway, um, enough about all that. Let's talk about the actual fucking episode. Okay, so it begins with Angel has taken Buffy. They're walking out of a movie that is called, it's written down in my, in the Buffy episode guide here. It is called La Banquet de Emilia. So obviously I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but um, that's pretty easy to translate. The The Banquet of Emilia. So basically it, it was like an erotic film, which is hilarious. Like why would Sunnydale, California be showing an erotic French film? Like they're a small town. <laughs> But anyway, so they're walk. So what? For whatever reason, Angel thought it would be great to take Buffy to a French film. So apparently, he didn't know it was an erotic French film. Which shouldn't he have realized that? Because he's always reading like French books and shit. <laughs> Obviously, Angel has like a like a thing for French culture. He would know that translation, even I know that translation, and I know nothing about the French language. <laughs> you know, the banquet of Amelia sounds like it might be porn. It just does. So he didn't realize, apparently, that it was French porn. But not only that, but why would he take Buffy, a high school American teenager that's never shown any interest in any anything like she's not sitting around reading this is just angel's tone deafness when it comes to doing things for buffy you remember on her birthday when he gave her that like book of old ass poetry wrapped in a dirty handkerchief 
like, what the fuck is that, Angel? And now he's taking her to a French film. Like, obviously this is, he wanted to go see a French film and he brought her along. And he acts like, it's like, I just wanted to take you to do something fun. Like, they never do, like, traditional date shit. This is, like, the only time they've ever done a traditional date and he takes her to a French film and she doesn't give a shit about French films. Anyway, whatever. So apparently it was an erotic film and so they're both kind of, like, hot and bothered after it's over and they're kind of talking about it and it's kind of a funny scene but um I have some problems with I have some problems with this episode when it comes to the treatment of women this is kind of a sexist episode I think for a lot of reasons which we'll get into it is written by Douglas Petrie and directed by David Grossman just so you know a couple of dudes a couple of dudes wrote and directed this episode which is not abnormal for an episode of Buffy, unfortunately. So this is the first little exchange that I have a problem with because, so Buffy says, I don't like getting you worked up like that because they're talking about, you know, they just saw this porn basically and they kind of enjoyed it. And if they were a regular couple, it's very much insinuated that if they were a regular couple, they'd probably go home and have sex now. But they can't because he'll lose his soul. And the whole reason for this particular scene is just to show, just to remind people, if they're just tuning in to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that he can't have sex because he'll lose his soul. And it's bad if he loses his soul, just in case you didn't know. That's that's why they're putting the scene in there. But anyway, I don't, I really don't like that Buffy says, I don't like getting you worked up like that. First of all, it was established that he took her to this stupid French film. They, neither of them, knew what the fuck it was about before they went. And she says, I don't like getting you worked up like that. That's shitty. (laughs) She didn't do anything. (laughs) First of all. Second of all, it doesn't matter. His soul-losing bullshit is all on him. You know? And... I mean, thankfully, Angel is, he's cool about it. He's like, hey, don't worry about me. Like, I'm fine. (laughs) Like, I get worked up around you just regular, and I'm fine. I'm not going to lose control. It's fine. You don't need to. So luckily, his response to it was perfectly reasonable. Like, obviously, none of this shit's your fault, and none of this is on you. So at least, at least that was his response, but her saying, I don't like getting you worked up like that, that, that bugs me, that bugs me, um, Faith shows up as they're, like, kissing, Angel and Buffy are kissing, and she's like, check out the lust bunnies, (laughs) and Angel establishes, he's, he asks her, so the council's got you back on, um, active duty, because they're about to go, like, patrolling or whatever together, and, um, and Faith says, finally, or something like that. So I find this hard to believe as well, because, you know, in the course, it was only like two or three episodes ago that Faith killed someone and the council's reaction at first was to take her away and like put her on trial in England. And then she like knocked them out and escaped And then their further response to that was not to escalate at all. It was just to leave 
Wesley in charge and do some like physical tests and shit. Maybe psychological and physical tests, which they put both Buffy and Faith through. That was their response. And then after doing that for a couple of weeks, they decide she's fit for active duty again. Like, none of that makes any sense. But whatever. None of that makes sense. But it, it's just, that comment is just there to establish that, you know, ostensibly they have completely decided to let Faith back into the fold. The council has anyway. The rest of the group pretty much doesn't trust her and hasn't let her back in, which they never let her in in the first place. So this episode is like, I thought I was going to be really, really upset by it because this is another, you know, taking Faith down, focusing on Faith's issues kind of episode. And it didn't upset me quite as much as I thought it would. I think a lot of aspects of this episode were really well done. I think a lot of motivation, the motivations of the characters make sense for the most part. If, if we were in a world where they had genuinely tried to help Faith for more than one episode, consequences was the only episode they ever tried to fucking help Faith at all, ever. If they had genuinely tried letting her in and then genuinely tried to help her when things went south, this episode would be a lot more believable as like a last ditch, like, well, we're pretty sure Faith's not on our side anymore and we need to find out for sure. So we're going to, you know, this whole episode is based on tricking Faith to get information from her and also to find out if she really has turned to the dark side. Um... Yeah. Well, I think they knew. Here's what I think happened. So maybe we'll just wait until we get there. Okay. Check out the Lust Bunnies. They go um, patrolling together. And again, like usual dynamic between Faith and Buffy. Faith's just sort of trying to make conversation with Buffy. She's like, you know, I am, I'm impressed that, you know, you guys because she knows that they can't have sex. He can't have a moment of happiness. She's like, I'm impressed that you guys, you know, are, I'm impressed of how you handled, are handling this, like that you can do this. I think that would be really hard for me. And, you know, that's not exactly what she says, but that's the gist of it, which is just a nice little, she's trying to connect with Buffy. That's all that is. And Buffy's like, as usual, she just wants to shut her down. Like, we're not going to be talking about Angel. Like, why would you not talk about Angel to a person that is your friend? Like, didn't Buffy just say, like, two episodes ago, I'm not going to give up on Faith? Like, and you can't even have a conversation with her about your boyfriend? Like, how... It's the rivalry that they make between Faith and Buffy is very sexist, in my opinion. It's, you know... We get to see a close friendship between Buffy and Willow, but that is it. We get to see a tiny bit of friendship between Buffy and um, Tara later in the series. But that's just because Tara happened to find something out about Buffy that um, she was ashamed of. And so she goes to her for advice and shit like that. That is we never see Buffy seeking out friendships from other women. And we often see her being extremely defensive about 
and jealous. And that is how this entire relationship between Buffy and Faith has gone. Faith is constantly reaching out to her. She wants, I mean, it could be argued that she wants more than just to be friends with Buffy. But even taking that out of it, she wants connection with someone that can understand. I mean, I've said all this before, I know. But <laughs> she's reaching out to her. She's just having a fucking conversation with Buffy about her boyfriend and Buffy's just ready to shut her down immediately. But anyway, they get interrupted with um, a demon who is actually trying to find them because he wants to, he's got the books of Ascension and he wants to sell them to the Slayers to keep, um, because he knows that they will be interested in that because the mayor is evil. So this is the first time we're finding out about the ascension. We know that the mayor's bad and we know that he's, well, have we heard the word ascension before? I don't know. This is the first time Buffy hears the word ascension at least. So she's like, what, what is ascension? And of course Faith's there. So she immediately goes to the mayor and tells him like, there's this demon. He's charging for these books of ascension, like whatever. Um, and ascension. My next note is how much of Joss's affection for Eliza did he get out via the mayor in the script? Like he didn't write the script, but I'm wondering, that's just one of my, you know, that all that shit that came out about Joss Whedon having an affair with a young girl that was on the set of Buffy. And I'm pretty sure he's talking about Elijah Dushku. Um, I just wonder, I just wonder how much of the dynamic between the mayor and, um, Faith, how much of that dynamic was set up so that Joss could get out some of his guilt for his relationship with Elijah Dusku, because I mean, I don't know, I'm reading too much into it. I just, it's just a note that I had that conversation, that first conversation that we see between the mayor and Faith where he offers her a glass of room temperature milk. Oh my God, gross. And <laughs> he just has a pitcher of milk sitting out in his office. No lid, no refrigeration. Wasn't, no, disgusting. And appropriately, Faith is disgusted by it. <laughs> you can see her just sort of holding it with a couple of fingers when he hands it to her, like, uh, and then she sets it down. <laughs> Um, that was gross. But anyway, the conversation between them, it's like a little, like, I think you should pull your hair back from your face more because you're so pretty and blah, 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 blah. it's like, ew. I mean, it was not really, really overly gross, but it was kind of gross. Room temperature milk and the mayor telling you you should pull your hair out of your eyes. Gross. Okay. Um... My next note is Giles with a banana. Um, so cute. So cute every time Giles is eating or, you know, he's just, and I always say this, but Giles is always doing something. Anthony Stewart Head is always doing something with props. He's never just delivering lines. He's eating a, a banana, cleaning his glasses. He's, you know, eating a donut. He's walking around like... He's always doing something. So I love that. And I will bring it up every time. Um, ba -da -ba -da -ba. What else we got? 
Oh, there's this weird little exchange where um, they're all like, Buffy has gone to them and said, okay, there are these books of ascension. This demon wants us to pay him $5,000, whatever, whatever. You know, like we need to find a way to get these, obviously, to keep them away from the mayor. And, you know, Giles and Wesley both don't really have any information about an ascension. It doesn't ring a bell to them. But Willow says something like, yeah, it's in this one book, blah, 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 blah. And Giles is like, what are you talking about? Where? And she's like, it's in the top cabinet in your office. You know, the books that you don't want me to see. <laughs> and then there's this little comment of, you know, magic secrets Giles doesn't think I'm ready for. So there's this little exchange, just another little peppering in. Like, I think, I think the writers probably knew at this point that eventually Willow was going to go to the dark side when it comes to magic. Because they set this up from like season two, as soon as Willow starts getting into magic, Giles has reservations about it. Like he's not completely not supportive, but there's a certain level of if he had trusted her since the beginning and it's another instance of like women that aren't Buffy in this show do not get any they don't get enough attention and love and support for what they want to do. Everything's about Buffy. If you're, you know, I mean, men get some support, but if you're not Buffy in the show, like it's not a feminist show. If the only, it's just the one girl in all the world that gets respect, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, if from the beginning he had trusted her more, she may never have gone to that dark side. I mean, I'm not trying to say that it's Giles's fault that she goes there, obviously, but we, that's a big detour. So let's not go down that road, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but it's nice that they like already knew that that was going to happen and they pepper in little things like this, just tiny little things like this. Three years before Willow goes to the dark side. Obviously this is not a spoiler free podcast, <laughs> uh, kind of too late, but you guys know that. You didn't start listening just now. You know this isn't a spoiler-free podcast. Okay. There's this whole thing. Like, Cordelia's around during this episode because she's interested in Wesley. I just think that's just... I mean, I get that they felt like they needed a reason for Cordelia to come back and hang out with everybody. But... And it's obviously a flimsy excuse. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, she is attracted to Wesley, but... I would like to think that the writers wanted it to be a flimsy excuse that despite the fact that she is attracted to Wesley and she is flirting with him and trying to make Xander jealous and all that shit. I, I would like to think that she misses them. And so this was her in, that she could just pretend to be more into Wesley than she really is. So she could hang out with them again. Cause she misses, she misses being of use and she misses the good fight. Like Cordelia is a good chick and she likes the good fight. So Anyway, I just, that was my next note. Cordelia asking Wesley out, like, ugh, the stupid Cordelia and Wesley shit. I mean, in the course of the episodes, this is going to resolve itself very soon. In the course of actual time in which we get to watch these episodes, it's going to be fucking months before they finally kiss and realize it's ridiculous. Anyway, my next note was Wesley asking, where is Faith anyway? They're all talking in the library, like strategizing about what to do with the books of Ascension, what to do about the situation, blah, blah, blah. And 
Of course she's not there. She's not at school where she doesn't attend. She doesn't attend school like she lives in a crappy apartment. <sighs> okay. I just like, I annoy myself by how much I say the same things every single week, but still. Faith is actually, so, you know, that was obviously a scene transition. Where is Faith anyway? So the next scene we see Faith um, breaking into the demon's apartment and she kills him to get the books of Ascension. She kills him a lot. And you can tell that she's upset by it. Like, she's not really that upset when she first stabs him. Like, he's a demon. She, she needs to get these books of Ascension for her boss. She stabs him, no big deal. But then whenever he... He gets back up and he starts fighting back and she has, she ends up stabbing him several times and you can tell it's, I mean, it's a really great performance from Elijah Dushku because you can tell she's disturbed by what she's doing. You can tell that's, that's real. She's, she's alone so she can actually have emotions and she's disturbed. So you get to see it, you get to see her being disturbed. We hardly ever see, uh, Faith alone. Anyway. Um... The next scene, she's going to Angel for comfort right after she does that. And she, you know, she says, and I had forgotten when I watched it again the first time. I had forgotten, I mean, the first time in the last few days, I had forgotten that this wasn't real. I thought that she, at this point, was being real. But she wasn't. She had, unbeknownst to us, she had been sent to try to seduce Angel because the mayor wants him soulless so he could be on their side. And she's trying to, she knows that if she goes and asks for help from Angel and like plays into all of his, you're going to get a taste for killing lecture that he did on her in Consequences, um, that he'll help her. So she goes to him and she's like, I'm scaring myself. Um, I think I just came back to earth, um, after, you know, whatever. Anyway. And she's convincing in this scene, and I forgot that this wasn't real. Like, it seemed like she was actually asking for help, and it, it broke my heart. And, you know, he, he wanted to help her, blah, blah, blah. Then she tries to kiss him, and he's like, whoa, no, I'm with Buffy. Um, and Buffy it sees that. She sees, she sees when Faith is leaving, and she kind of kisses Angel on the cheek or whatever, and... You know, she was really laying it on thick in this really interesting way because she approached Angel for sexy times in a way that she would never approach anyone else. Like for anyone else, like with Xander or anyone else that she would be interested in, she'd just be like, okay, take your clothes off. Let's go. But with Angel, she was like being real soft spoken. She was acting like a damsel and like she was really laying it on thick. Which makes sense, because that would be the way that you would seduce Angel, I guess. She was she was doing it in a special way. She was tailoring her seduction methods for who she was trying to seduce. But, um, yeah, anyway. So Buffy sees her leaving and, like, kissing him on the cheek and shit, and she's jealous and she just sort of leaves. Um, in the Bite Me episode guide, there's, like, this paragraph about how, like, when did Buffy know? Like, it's kind of confusing. After watching this episode several times, here's my theory. I think at this point, um, 
At this point, nobody knows anything. What happens, what happened was, so we get a scene between the mayor and this demon dude because whenever Faith fails at seducing Angel to get his soul taken away, they decide to call in a demon that can do it via a spell. And so there's this conversation between the mayor and the demon. And we don't see this happen, but what I think happened was the demon, right after talking to the mayor, goes to Giles, because he knows Giles already and he owes him a debt, as is established at the very end of the episode. He goes to him immediately, he talks to Giles. Giles then goes to Buffy and Angel, or maybe just Buffy and then Buffy relays to Angel, or they come up with a plan together, whatever. Giles goes to Buffy and says, look, that's how they, maybe that's even how they know that Faith is involved. Like, maybe that wasn't revealed to the demon guy, but anyway. So the demon guy goes to Giles and says, look, the mayor's trying to get Angel's soul taken away. I know you know this guy. Um, what do you think I should do? I owe you a debt. And Giles is like, okay, just pretend to do what you were asked to do and uh, we'll take care of the rest. And then he goes to Buffy and he's like, look, we need to figure out if, and you know, putting it together that apparently they're all communicating well for once because if Angel told Giles and or Buffy about um, Faith coming over and asking for help and being real weird, which it makes sense that he would tell them about that because, you know, they're all ostensibly trying to help her and working together to help her. So it would make sense that he would talk to, at the very least, Buffy about it, but also maybe Giles. Um, and then they go, hmm, I wonder if this is connected. We need to find out if Faith is in cahoots with the mayor, number one. We also need to find out everything that she knows so why don't you pretend to go along with this whole thing the demon guy owes me a favor he's going to pretend he actually takes your soul you need to pretend that that actually happened and we'll figure out what we can get from faith so that's what i think happened maybe that seems obvious and like i'm just you're like yeah duh but I didn't really put all that together and in the episode guide it seemed like Nikki Stafford was also like I don't really understand how this is working out but now that I've seen this episode at least six or seven times in my life I think I finally get it so that's what I think happened okay there you go um ba -ba -ba. oh um kind of backtracking but during the scene when Faith has gone to Angel to ask him for help um, she is parroting back to him pretty much everything he said to her before, you know, like, you know, I re I'm realizing I really am like you. I'm scaring myself, blah, blah, blah. All the shit that he was saying before, you're going to get a taste for it. I know, I know what it's like, but, but, um, <laughs> this is, I just thought it was interesting that he noted angel at one point says, not like me. I didn't have a choice. You do. Which I think is an interesting that he decides to make a distinction between the two of them as soon as Faith starts actually, like, agreeing with him. <laughs> like, he's like, you're just like me. I understand what it's like. Blah, blah, blah. And as soon as she's like, yeah, I am like you. He's like, no, not really. <laughs> like, come on, Angel. You're not being very helpful. You say you want to help, but you're not. 
oh, one of my notes was Wesley and Giles working together. So at this point, it's Wesley has really accepted his place in the situation. I think he understands, although he's not really admitting it out loud yet, but he understands that what he has stumbled into here is an established relationship of people that know what they're doing and they make choices that are reasonable and sound for the most part, whether or not it goes with or for or against the council. So he's realizing that there's a difference between council life and really being on the ground in a war against demons, you know, pretty quickly he, he seems to already be getting it. Like he's still kind of a derf, but he gets it and he's, he's working closely with Giles. He's, they're sort of accepting him a little bit, you know, way more than they're accepting Faith and she's been around way longer than him. Okay. But he is being very negligent when it comes to his primary slayer being, I mean, I guess it's, he's supposed to be in charge of both Faith and Buffy, but, you know, he really isn't, he really isn't doing a very good job, and at least he knows enough to know that he's not, and he's, you know, keeping Giles in the loop, and, I mean, not that he could, I mean, Giles is the loop, he's just, you know, he realizes he's second fiddle to this whole process, and he's accepting that, so at least that, but... Yeah, he's pretty ineffectual. Like, anyway. Giles has a couple of weird comments in this episode that I think are... I, I don't really understand exactly what they were going for, but it's kind of funny. Um, it's like the writers were trying to be witty, but they weren't quite there <laughs> with it. But Giles makes this comment... Um, they're talking about where the demon lives in like an apartment or something like that. And he's like, any self-respecting demon should live in a bog or a nice crypt. And I mean, like, obviously he's making a stupid joke, but like, I, I don't know. It didn't totally read as it almost seemed like he was serious, but I think it was supposed to be a joke, but they just didn't edit it to really show you that he thought it was a joke. Anyway, whatever. He made another comment about like, because this particular demon was asking for money for the Books of Ascension. And he makes a comment in that scene about, like, you know, what happened to, you know, the blood of a Vestal Virgin? Like, they have, demons have no standards these days or something like that. It's, it's weird, weird little Giles comments. Um, Faith comes in at the end of, I think this is still the conversation, going back to the conversation where they're talking about what to do and how to get the Books of Ascension. But anyway, um, Faith comes in during the end of this conversation, and here's where I think there was, I think there was some really, I think this is the moment where Buffy realizes that Faith killed the demon. It's very subtle acting, and, but when they go to the demon's apartment and they see that he's been killed, first of all, Faith just like sort of barges in and Buffy's like, be careful. Like, like they, you know, she barges in like she knows, like she knows the place because she does. And Faith for a second is just sort of like, okay, uh, yeah, I gotta dial it back because I'm, uh, I haven't been here before. That's right. <laughs> and, but she reaches around really subtly to turn on a light. And I think Buffy notices 
but it's very, very like Sarah Michelle Gellar knows what she's doing. It's very subtle. Um, so this probably plays into the whole plan too. Like, you know, when the demon goes to Giles to talk to him and Giles talks to Buffy about it, Buffy probably goes, you know what? Faith knows more than I think she does because, and, and because of those three things, because, or I didn't mention the third thing yet, but because of three things, because Faith barges in like she's been there before. Faith reaches around a corner to turn on a light switch as if she knows it's there, which I think is a little much because like, would she be that intimate with where the fucking light switch is if she was there for, you know, long enough to kill a guy and then leave? <laughs> But she does, and Buffy notices that, and then whenever they're, like, looking at the body, and she's like, this is someone's idea of a party, you know, because of how many times he was stabbed. Faith says, well, maybe the guy put up a fight. Buffy, like, she has, like, this little subtle look, and she kind of looks at the body a little too long, and you can tell she has put it together. Like, it's subtle. Like, maybe if you're not paying attention, you can't tell that she put it together, but she put it together. She knows at that point that Faith is the one that killed this demon. So, you know, all the things that happen off screen, the, the little subtleties of acting and plot in this episode are pretty well done, I think, and I'm, I'm impressed by that. Um, ba, 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 da, 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 da. oh God, another, okay. I don't think this episode passes the Bechdel test because every time, well, it maybe does because, well, no, because every conversation between Faith and Buffy in this episode, okay. Yes, it does pass towards the end. Almost every conversation between Faith and Buffy is about Angel or about this demon. But at the end, whenever Faith is getting ready to torture Buffy and she says all that shit about how everybody loves you, blah, blah, blah. We'll get there. Um, that actually passes the Bechdel test. But almost everything else doesn't, which is another, another nail in the coffin of this episode not being good to women is the conversation between Willow and Buffy at school. So they're in like that little lounge area or whatever, reading books. Like who has time at school to sit around and read books for recreational use? And what is Buffy even reading? Buffy doesn't read. Anyway, so they're sitting on a little couch and Willow is perceptive enough to notice that Buffy is kind of disturbed. At this point, she probably already has the plan in place about you know, they probably already know that they're going to try to deceive Faith, but they haven't let Giles and her and Angel are the only ones that know. Um, nobody else is in on it for whatever reason. They don't tell everyone else, which, you know, just, just so we can all be in the dark too, basically. Um, but Willow asks if anything is wrong and Buffy decides to open up to her about the fact that she saw Faith with Angel and um, the night before. And Willow just sort of convinces her to go talk to him. And it's just, the conversation is just sort of, I mean, she's trying to comfort Buffy, which is fine, but I just, I don't, I don't even know what I want to say. I wrote down one thing that Willow said, which is, you're the only thing in the world to him. And I think this is just, 
I, I just think this is the wrong conversation to have because I don't think Willow is always very supportive of Buffy and whatever the fuck she wants to do. And I get that, you know, it's okay to trust Angel. I get that. But I don't think that in real life, your best friend would be supportive of you being in a relationship with a vampire that's tried to kill you and all your friends, even though he has a soul again and it's okay to trust him and be reluctantly whatever and start to try to trust him again. But I just think this is, this is just not right. This conversation is just not right. I don't think. Doesn't make sense to me. Although I do like when she says, it's the, it's my quote of the episode. There aren't really great quotes on this episode, but this is one that I think of all the time when um, Willow says to Buffy, I too know the love of a taciturn man and you have to go with their actions, not their words. Um, blah, blah, blah. Trying to say that, I guess, you know, I guess Angel doesn't talk a whole lot. I mean, I guess that's true, but whatever. So I like that. I too know the love of a taciturn man. I always think of myself in those terms. I am very much, although you wouldn't think so since I have a podcast and a radio show and all that shit. And I talk a lot on those in life. I am very taciturn. I mean, I'm not cool like Oz and say witty things in small, short, non-committal phrases, but, um, yeah, I don't talk a whole lot in person, inter interpersonally with other persons. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like if Willow were a real friend, she wouldn't be quite so, quite so supportive about like, cause she says all this shit about how Angel would never cheat on you and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, God, why? Why is it all we're talking about right now? Angel, you know, blah. Because a bunch of white dudes wrote and directed this and they think that all women ever do is sit around and talk about them. Guess what? We don't. <laughs> That's not how we work. <laughs> um, let's see. Everybody, oh, I wrote down and Angelus because everybody several times in this episode, even Angel himself pronounces it Angelus. They've never done that before. It's always been Angelus, not Angelus. So that's just like a little nitpicky moment where like maybe the writers forgot that. Is this the first time they've called him Angelus? I don't think so. But anyway, so then we have the whole scene where the demon comes and there's the big show of him losing his soul and he immediately starts acting like he's lost his soul and it's very disturbing to watch mostly because upon rewatches when you know that he is just acting how good he is at it um and that's kind of kind of a fault to David Boreanaz I mean I'm sure his acting has gotten much better in the 20 years since it's aired in fact I know it has but um this was towards the very beginning of his acting career and he probably was still very much in a learning process. He's not, he's not as good as like Tatiana Maslany at all whatsoever, not even close. He's not even in the same like hemisphere as Tatiana Maslany. Um, she was, she's the, um, 
actress that plays all the different clones in Orphan Black, which if you haven't ever watched that series, do it. Hey, that's something you can do to take up the time between Buffy episodes. If you're listening to this in March of 2019 and you have to wait a really long time. Orphan Black is an excellent show, but she plays all these different clones and she does such a good job. And sometimes she has to play one of the clones pretending to be another clone, which she plays it differently than when she actually is playing that clone. David Boreanaz can't do that at this point. Like he's playing Angel, playing Angelus the exact way that Angelus is. There are a couple of little subtle moments which you can pick up on once you've watched, once you're rewatching the episode and you know what's going on, you can kind of pick on some of the little subtleties, but for the most part, he is, he's not, it's not, I don't know, the performance is not completely convincing, although he does not do a bad job, but it, it just seems indistinguishable from when he actually is Angelus, and I think that's, I don't know, I think that's kind of, not the way that it should be. I think it should be subtly different. I think he should kind of have a hard time doing this. And it seems like he's not having a hard time doing it. Um, so he pretends to be turned. He and Faith go to the mayor. And um, I wrote down one of the mayor's quotes in that scene. He says, attitude may get you attention, but courtesy earns respect. <laughs> Um, it's established in this scene that the mayor is impervious because um, Angel sort of makes a comment that he wants to stab the mayor with the letter opener that he's been playing with from his desk. And the mayor's just sort of like, go ahead. And so he throws the, the letter opener at him and it catches in his hand and he pulls it out and you get the whole like hand reclosing trick. CGI, bad CGI from low budget 1999 TV show. Um, but no, but I don't know why I said, but the next note that I have is Angel punching Xander because he just sort of is walking down the street and he's like, Hey, you guys need to go find Buffy, blah, blah, blah. And he just punches him. Um, which I think there is a motivation for punching him. It's kind of just a funny little moment. And he's like, that guy just bugs me. And you know, you know that he's pretending to be evil, whatever. But um, I think there's a motivation behind that because Xander was about to say something about like what they're doing right now and shit like that. And um, it makes sense that he interrupt him quickly without outing himself as being a good guy. So I think that was actually a motivated punch besides just, you know, Angel and Xander don't really like each other, which, duh. Um, then they go back to, they go to Buffy's house and they get Buffy. Another little nail in the coffin of this episode is not great to women. When Joyce answers the door, um, Angel says to her like, Oh, Joyce, did you change your hair? And she says something about highlights and he's like, it looks good. And then he walks past her and goes up the stairs and she sort of has this look on her face after he walks by that's sort of like, oh, he likes my hair. Yeah. Everybody, it's almost like they're, tr they're showing that women really like a bad boy. And even though Joyce doesn't know he's bad right now, she's like picking up on that bad boy vibe. And, and you know, girls love bad boys. I don't know. I just felt like that was what they were saying with that little moment. And it was gross. It was just gross. 
I'm not okay with that. I'm fine with him saying that he was okay, that he thought her hair looked nice. I mean, that wasn't, it was a little bit gross, but it wasn't too gross, but it was her reaction that they chose to have her react like a schoolgirl was just told she was pretty by a bad boy. Like, gross. Gross. Okay. I've established. Gross. Um, then, uh, so, um, Faith is like, hey, we've, we got the books of Ascension. It's, they're back at the mansion. We need to go to Giles, but like, I think strength in numbers is a good idea. Buffy's getting weapons together. Um, anyway, so, uh, to try to get the books of Ascension or whatever it is, whatever. So he carries the weapons. There is this little look between them after Faith has walked out of the room and he goes to grab the bag of weapons from Buffy. And he, it kind of looks at her like, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm doing this. You, you wanted me to do this. And she sort of like looks at him and it's just this tiny little exchange of like, if you know what's going on, you realize that that look between them is an understanding that they're in an uncomfortable situation that they previously agreed upon. Um, I think, I think that was on purpose. I think so. Um, and then they get back to his mansion and that's when they ambush Buffy and he like punches her once and she's knocked out. So I think that is put on for sure. It was convincing enough for Faith apparently, but it's, I don't think she, maybe we're supposed to think she was actually knocked out. Hopefully not though, because, um, hopefully she was acting in that as well because, uh, I, he, that's not how this works. Her punch, her getting punched once by a vampire does not knock her out. You know, um, that really shouldn't have been believable to Faith either, but apparently it was. And then when she comes to, Angel is um, chaining her up in that place where she chained him up when he first came back from hell. Um, and where they chained Faith up a couple episodes ago when they were trying to talk some sense into her. Um, and here's where we get the, another really great subtle moment where if you know, then you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, you know. Um, but like when she comes to and he's pretending to chain her up, he doesn't actually do it. He like closes the handcuffs, but her hands are just held behind her back. So she's not actually defenseless. Um, and you know, when she comes to and she looks at him, he gives her like this little look and he latches the handcuffs. And then you see, you see this little shot, like, like not even a second. It's just like a little nanosecond shot of her hands behind her back. And she sort of like is adjusting her hand. And like now, like watching it again, it, it looks like she's trying to she's adjusting her hand. So it looks like she's in the handcuffs when she's really not. Um, so that was just a nice little nod to, to the rewatchability and the smart writing of this particular episode, or at least the smart directing and acting. Um, okay. And then we get, okay, here's where it gets sad because when Buffy is quote unquote chained up, 
and like they have all these torture instruments they do the whole like unrolling of the torture instruments trope um and faith is just sort of monologuing at buffy um this is where it gets sad because she starts talking about how when she was a kid she always wanted a dog but her mom was too distracted by drinking and passing out so just she never got what she wanted and um so that's just like a sad little story and it was also sort of implying that um angel was the puppy you know it's like i always wanted a dog and then she just kind of caresses angel and kisses him and all this shit and um so like he's the dog uh but then she goes into the speech which i highlighted in nikki stafford that i've mentioned several times in this episode that wrote the bite me episode guide she has some really great insights a lot of the time um and so i highlighted some little um parts in her episode guide about the episode 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 so i wanted to read them um talking about faith she thinks the others shunned her that no matter how hard she worked buffy was always seen as the hero so she goes into this speech to Buffy, um, where she says, I think I have that actually marked in this other book, in Buffy and Philosophy, um, by, oh, it's, it's by a bunch of different authors, actually. Um, this hyper-individualistic, hyper super self-reliant mode of autonomy makes Faith vulnerable to destructive emotions like jealousy, as when she tells Buffy... So in this scene, she says this, I do my job kicking ass better than anyone. And what do I hear about everywhere I go? Buffy. So I slay, I behave, I do the good little girl routine. And who's everybody thank? Buffy. So I think that is a very important thing to note that, you know, like obviously some of her psychology is coming out in this moment where she's getting ready to torture Buffy and she says a lot of shit and like that she never got a dog her mom was an alcoholic this is the most information we've ever gotten about faith because she feels she's been trying to open up to buffy all this time but she can't do it until buffy's chained up until the power dynamic has changed because every time she tries to bring up anything buffy shuts her down buffy will not get close to faith despite the fact that she said i'm not going to give up on her which is all set up in sexism. That whole thing is set up in sexism because why can't she be friends with somebody other than, other than Willow? Why? She can only interact with men and Willow and that's it. She has a rivalry, rivalry with Cordelia. She will also have a rivalry with Anya. She will pretty much not get close to Tara until, like I said, season six when Tara sees her sees that she's sleeping with Spike and that she kind of opens up to her a little bit but that's it we don't see her having any relationships with women ever except Willow that's it Willow is the exception um which I think is just a really bad oversight for a show that's supposed to be feminist and I also wrote okay um Nikki Stafford makes a comparison between um Xander and Faith and how they really do have some things in common because they both had shitty childhoods with um, abusive alcoholic parents. Uh, I mean, that's just literally the only information we have is 
you know, those tiny little sentences that Faith dropped about her mom being an alcoholic. But um, I highlighted this particular part I wanted to read to you guys because I think it's pretty insightful. Xander's faults are pointed out to him and he refuses to admit he was wrong, often throwing it back in the other person's face. So true, right? Xander, such an asshole. Faith is tortured inwardly, inwardly about what she does, and eventually she apologizes. The difference is Xander values his loyalty to his friends above everything else because he has their acceptance, while Faith is so busy craving acceptance that she'll stab people in the back to get it. So I think that is an interesting distinction um, that... You know, Xander was sort of kind of, sort of kind of an outsider in that situation and in the situation of becoming friends with everybody else and being helpful. He doesn't really have a lot of strengths and shit like that, but he's accepted by everyone else because, um, or I don't even know why, because, because he's a white guy. <laughs> I don't know. He is accepted, even though he, you know, his class level is different than theirs and he you know, doesn't really have any powers and all that stuff, but he is accepted and he doesn't even have to admit when he's wrong about shit. While Faith is completely not accepted from the very beginning, she's not accepted. So yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was really cool and insightful. So if you want an episode guide for Buffy in book format, Get Bite Me by Nikki Stafford. <laughs> it's my weekly promotion of that book. Okay. Um, what else do I have on my notes? So during this whole speech, she also kind of gives away a little bit of information, not only about herself, but also about how the mayor is going to ascend on graduation day. And, you know, it's gonna, everybody else is just gonna die. They're gonna be kibbles and bits, as Faith says. And, um, that's when they choose to, like, reveal like at that point, they think they have enough information. They've decided that they know everything that Faith knows. And so they let her know that they've played her. And of course she's super upset. And she, at the moment when this is revealed, everybody else shows up, Giles and Willow and everybody. I don't know what made them show up. I don't even know, but they all show up. And in the kerfuffle there's like a little tiny bit of a fight between Buffy and Faith where they end up next to the little thing full of torture instruments they end up with each having a knife against the other one's throat and Faith says what are you gonna do Buffy what are you gonna do B kill me you're not ready for that and she kisses her on the forehead and she says yet and then she runs away so that's an interesting little piece of foreboding because we're going to get, God, when is it? Is it the next episode? I want to look ahead actually and see. Okay. No, thankfully, thankfully not. I was going to be like, God, that's really kind of quick. If they did that, it's graduation day part one that Buffy actually does attempt to kill Faith. So, um, that's just an interesting little thing. Like obviously well, I mean, I'd say obviously Faith isn't psychic, but, you know, they have prophetic dreams. Slayers have prophetic dreams. Maybe Faith already knows that Buffy's going to kill her based on dreams that she's had. Maybe? Let's give her that credit. Why not? Um, in, apparently in the script, it um, 
Buffy or Faith was supposed to actually kiss Buffy on the lips, but the network wouldn't allow them to do it. So, um, just an interesting little tidbit, or I don't know if it was actually the network that wouldn't allow them to do it, but that was what was in the script. But what we actually got was Faith kissing Buffy on the forehead, um, which I like. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It just adds a little level of like betrayal, but also love and, you know, I don't know. I love Faith and Buffy together and I just, I wish they could have gotten a real friendship at the very least, you know, seeing one part of one episode of them actually getting along. And it showed again, this, the sexism, like Buffy can only have one close female friendship. That's it. That's all she's allowed. Because as soon as she is getting close to Faith in that episode, she's kind of like, not hanging out with Willow, Willow feels betrayed, blah, 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 like, and Willow never really gets over it. She always is super petty about Faith forever from now on, and it's just dumb. It's just dumb. Anyway, um, then we get a scene at Faith's apartment at the end where, um, where, you know, she has had to reveal to the mayor that she, you know, they actually failed at getting, getting Angel's soul taken away. And, um, but he's not mad at her. So that's nice. I mean, if you were really a super evil dude that didn't have any feelings of attachment to faith, he would have punished her for this because, you know, she gave away information. Maybe she didn't tell him that though. It's possible she didn't tell him that because he doesn't make any comment of that. Um, but he's just sort of trying to comfort her and he takes her to miniature golf and she's obviously distraught that, you know, like they all know that she's evil now. It's like she, I think now she realizes this is the point of no return. She was kind of playing both sides and feeling it out. And she was, you know, more loyal to the mayor than she was to them, obviously, but it's like now the choice has been made for her and you can tell she's sad about it. Um, I did also write that Faith's apartment is a total mess. Like there are like pizza boxes everywhere and like magazines strewn all over the floor and like it's a mess and the mayor is just hanging out there all casual. And I feel like he wouldn't be like that. I feel like he would get on to her for her apartment being messy. Um, I don't know. I just feel like he would have been like that because of how like neat and tidy and like professional and like germaphobic and all that shit that he is. But he was just casually hanging out on her couch and talking to her and not mentioning how huge of a mess the place was. I just thought that was a little character flaw that he didn't mention that, but whatever. Nitpicky. The very last scene of the episode is Buffy going to talk to Angel at his mansion and saying that, I mean, she's obviously very disturbed by everything that happened. Understandably, because he was very good at pretending to be evil. And I think whenever they decided to do this whole thing, she did not realize how upsetting that would be to her. And I think that is totally legit. I think that makes sense. Um, and so she goes to him and she says, I need a little bit of a break. Like, you know, she says, I, you know, I know this is everything that we 
you know, you just did what I asked you to do, but it was, I mean, this is not exactly what she said, but this is the context, but it was really upsetting and I need a break. And here's another point in another nail in the coffin of this episode is not good to women. So she says, I need a little bit of a break. And then there's a little bit of a pause. And she says, please, like, you don't have to ask to take a break from a relationship. Just so anyone listening to this knows, you don't have to ask permission for a break. If you want a break, you're on a break. Relationships are only, all they are is a an agreement between two people about how your interactions are going to be. It's a set of terms for you and another person and what your relationship to each other is. If you don't agree, then it's not, it's not a thing. So the fact that she's asking for permission for them to like take some time away from each other, which is out of character for Buffy, number one. Number two, it's crappy to women. Like it's posing her as subservient to him in some way. Just that one word saying, please asking for permission to take time away. That's just shitty. And I hate that. I had completely forgotten about that. Like I knew that she went to him and said, you know, I need some time because hey, PTSD. She just saw him acting like the person that tortured her and her friends and almost killed her and her friends last year. It's completely understandable that she would need some time off after that. And it's also understandable that she didn't really realize that when they decided to do this whole thing, you know, like she probably thought that she could keep her emotions in check, but she's a teenage girl and that's a really upsetting thing. And it would definitely take you back to that place for sure it would take you back to that place. Um, so I find that completely understandable. And a lot of like some of the podcasts that I listen to and some of the books um, that refer to this episode, a lot of them are like kind of shitty about this. They're sort of like, what's the deal? Like they were just doing what they agreed upon. Like, why are you punishing Angel for doing what you asked him to do? Like, she's not punishing him. She needs some time to process what just happened. She needs to not look at your face right now because your face most recently reminded her of how awful he was when he didn't have a soul a year ago. This is all his fault. He deserves this. It's not a punishment, but if it were, he would deserve it. So yeah, I totally agree that that is legit that they're dealing with the gravity of those emotions correctly. So yeah, anyway, which is why I get so disappointed in the show when they don't deal with the gravity of other characters' emotions effectively, because I know they know how to do that right, because they always do it right with Buffy. Buffy gets to, you know, deal with all the, she has all the consequences and all the real emotional reactions of things. Um, Anyway, I think that's kind of all I have to say about the episode. I think it was overall a well done episode, but the, the sexist moments bother me. Um, the fact that they seem to show absolutely no remorse in 
what they did to Faith, I really think there should have been, at least they could have had like a little conversation between Buffy and Giles and like Buffy could be torn apart by how she treated Faith as well as being torn apart by the PTSD of seeing her boyfriend act like a total monster. Again, I mean, it would be more than just her reaction to Angel that would be bothering her right now. It should also be the fact that, you know, they found out without a doubt that Faith has gone to the dark side and it's upsetting because they, they all say they wanted to help her. So there should be at least a conversation of like, well, that sucks. I mean, there was kind of a little moment of like Giles saying, yeah, you should definitely call the council. We've got a rogue slayer on our hands. That's pretty dangerous and blah, blah, blah. But they aren't really empathizing with her at all. They're not really strategizing about, I mean, I know at this point they see her as a lost cause. So they're not trying to continue to help her. But if you say two episodes ago that you're not going to give up on her and then the moment you realize she's working for the mayor and you decide she's too far gone. I mean, this was only a few weeks ago that you said you weren't going to give up on her, Buffy. And you have given up on her very quickly. I just find that super shitty. Obviously, you guys are probably going to be relieved whenever, like, Faith is not on the show all the time, so I'm not constantly talking about how shitty they treat her because we're not going to be, she's not going to be around to be treated badly. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into my ratings of the episode. The outfit. There weren't really any good outfits in this episode. Buffy's wearing a lot of, like, boat neck convent outfits in this episode and then like during the episode where she was fake being tortured she was wearing this black shirt long sleeve shirt that had like a bejeweled union flag on it and I I mean I I know because I remember 1999 that was like a that was like a fashion thing but it just didn't look right on Buffy like Buffy wearing a union flag it just didn't look like her fashion at all. It just didn't make sense. It was, it was off-putting to me. It was distracting. So the only really... Angel had a couple of good shirts. Like his shirt when he was evil in the fake torture scene was possibly like a velvet paisley satin mixture situation. It was too dark to tell for sure, but it looked like it might have been an interesting shirt if you could see it better. Um, but the outfit of the episode has got to go to Faith because she was wearing, she was wearing this like uh, half sleeve like it wasn't satin. It was just kind of like a shiny material red shirt with black pants and she had her signature faith makeup and it looked great and she looked great and it was great. So that's really the only episode that was good in this episode. Um, Willow was wearing a fuzzy, I think it was a fuzzy orange sweater or it might've been hot pink. It was either hot pink or hot orange fuzzy sweater under some overalls. So that was a very, a very typical good Willow outfit, but it wasn't really anything of note. And no one else really wore anything of note in this episode. I don't even remember what Cord Cordelia was wearing in this episode. And she was in two or three different scenes. So, I don't know. Oz was there. He he's blonde again. Strawberry blonde. Uh, probably 
close to his natural color. His natural color is probably a little bit brighter red, but it was, he had black hair in the last episode that we saw him. So yeah, gotta, the outfit's gotta go to Faith, although it wasn't the greatest outfit. Although, just a little personal note, the shirt that she was wearing in this episode, the like weird shiny, like button-up collared half-sleeve red shirt, I had a shirt very similar to that that I didn't wear very many times, that I didn't have it very long, I don't think, but one of the only times, the only time I actually remember wearing it was my first day at work at the library that I've worked at. This September, I will have worked there for 15 years and I was wearing it on my first day, which I remember because it's in like the, they take a picture of you for the first day to like put up in the break room, like this is Stephanie, whatever. And it's still up. Like we still have like those little pictures of everybody from their first day of work. And that's the picture that's still up me in that shirt. So even though I only wore that shirt like less than five times ever, because it was weird, shirts like that just to, like don't work with my boobs, I guess, but it seemed like a fancy shirt, so I wore it my first day of work at the library, so I just thought I would note that. When you watch this episode and you see Faith in that shirt, know that I had a shirt very similar to that, that I wore at least one time. <laughs> um, object of the episode... I had a really hard time with this one. Like, I couldn't really think of anything. Um, so I'm gonna go with Angel has a lot of like square black big fuck off pillar candles. I think it would be nice to have some square black big fuck off pillar candles. I love a good candle, especially a good black candle. So We'll go with that. I want Angel's candle collection. This might not even be the first time I've said that. <laughs> kind of reaching because I don't really remember seeing anything super cool. And it's going to be harder as the show goes on, as we get into the early 2000s. Like, the style of things is... Oh, okay. You know what? Angel's black square big fuck off pillar candles. Yes, I would like to have those. But you know what else I would like to have? And I may have already used this as an object of the episode, but in case I didn't, um, Faith's mauve couch. It's nice. It's velvet. It's like a chase lounge type situation. And I would like to have that. I don't know where I'd put it if I did have it, but I like it. So let's go with that. Quote of the episode, like I, like I said before, is Willow's, I too know the love of a taciturn man. Um, MVP of the episode, I was gonna go with Angel at first, but I think I'm gonna change it to Giles. Let's do that. Let's cross Angel out and write in Giles. Because Giles was the one that he introduced that demon to his wife however many years ago, which meant that that demon owed him a favor, which meant that that demon came to him and made the entire events of this episode possible possible, and prevented us from actually having a soulless angel. Because if that demon hadn't owed Giles a favor, he probably would have gone ahead and done the mayor's bidding, I would assume. Um, I wonder what the mayor thinks happened there. Does he think that the demon intentionally fucked up the spell? Does he think that the demon just failed? 
I mean, obviously he doesn't know the connection between the demon and Giles, but I don't know. That's just a side note. Um, so I'm going to give it to Giles because he was the one, he probably was the one that came up with the whole plan. And, um, if he hadn't had the connection to the demon, then Angel probably really would have lost his soul. We would have had to see that whole thing play out again, which, ew. Um, five by five of the episode. Overall, I think it was pretty well done. Like I've said, um, I'm glad we got an episode that focused on faith, even if it wasn't. And I, and like I said before, this episode could have been a more believable book into faith really is too far gone. If we would have seen more evidence that they gave a shit about her in the first place that they were really trying to help her. If we had had a lot more of that, this episode would have been more effectual for what it wanted to say. So I don't think it's this episode's fault necessarily that there wasn't enough build up to at least trying to trust Faith, trying to take care of Faith, and trying to help Faith. I think we're supposed to think that they've done that, that they've done all they can do when they really haven't done shit. But I think we're supposed to think that she's just bad and they can't, they tried, but they just can't help her. She's too far gone. Whatever. Anyway, so as far as enjoyability of the episode, I am going to give it a four because I think overall it was effective. But as far as treatment of women, the second five by five score of this episode, it only gets a two because... You know, we see Joyce reacting like a schoolgirl to Bad Angel. We see Buffy asking to please let me take some time away from you, boyfriend. 250-year-old boyfriend, can I take a break? Um, and then Willow just, like, being very, like... She was very, like, Faith would totally do that. Faith is totally the do-that girl. But Angel, Angel is is perfect and virtuous and wonderful. Are you forgetting that Angel is a 250 plus year old vampire that tortured all of you guys last year? Does Willow have no memory of that? They paint her as if she doesn't. You know, like Giles has reservations about Angel because he was tortured by Angel last year. Um, Xander has always had reservations about Angel, but Willow has always been extremely supportive of Angel, even though he had, he killed her fish. He like held her captive and almost killed her. Like, I just, you know, they don't give Willow very much depth because she is not the Slayer. She's a girl, so she's a sidelined character, you know? Whereas Giles and Xander both they get to be the smart ones that, that have reservations about Angel, that are, you know, have warnings about Angel. I mean, we will see that Joyce has reservations about Angel, too. As Buffy's mom, that makes sense. But Willow just sort of chooses to be unendingly supportive of Buffy. And maybe that's just a coping mechanism, because that's the way you have to relate to Buffy. If you're going to be a girlfriend of Buffy's, you have to, like, not question her at all whatsoever. Um, I don't know. Do we ever really see Willow push back against Buffy and her decisions? I mean, surely they've had a couple of fights, like when Buffy came back from being gone for an entire summer and she was bitter about it. 
but is that the only time we really see her confront Buffy's choices? Like, surely not, but for the most part, Willow just unendingly supports her, and that's not, you know, that's not a great friendship if you're just surrounded by yes men or yes willows. Um, yeah, but that's, so overall, the score of the episode is an eight, since the treatment of women is just crap in this episode. Um, it's just crap. Faith is just a pawn to, to them at this point. Um, Willow's a school, or Joyce is a schoolgirl. Willow's just, you know, unendingly supportive for no reason. And, um, who else? Buffy has to, it's just so sad. It's just, she just doesn't like to work, get him all worked up, even though she did nothing. <laughs> And also, please may I take a break now. Um, yeah. So, okay. Again, to remind you, it's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks until the next episode of Buffy, until we get to talk about it, which isn't the actual next episode of Buffy. It's two episodes in the future since we won't get to talk about Earshot until September. But, um... Uh, I mean, as y'all know, my general plan, I can tell you that, but my general plan is to talk to you guys about every two weeks, about something at least, at least to come on here and be like, hey, I didn't forget about you. Here's, you know, the 20 minute episode of me talking about my life or some movie I just watched or some book I just read or some shit. Um, so the general plan is to come back and have another podcast episode on March 30th. And at the very least, April 20th. Um, but yeah, so I'll at least talk to you guys twice in the next seven weeks before we come back to talk about choices. Um, yeah. Anyway, what do you guys want me to talk about? Let me know. Ray at Gmail is, nope, mixtressradio at Gmail or is it Ray? It's radio. Isn't it radio? Oh God, I forgot what my email address is. Uh, whatever. It's in the show notes. You guys can email me if you want, or you can message me on Mixtress Buffy Instagram page. And um, let me know if you want me to talk about any certain things in the episodes when we're not going to be specifically talking about an episode of Buffy. Um, and I will see you guys in two weeks. For some reason, we'll talk about something in two weeks. Uh, all right. Bye.